Hey friends, welcome back to the Black Diamond Podcast. This is your host, Eric Malzone. And this is the show where I have the absolute pleasure of interviewing entrepreneurs, founders, change makers, and people who are just creatively leading the way through innovation. And it's not only about successes and, and great stories, because you'll definitely get those, but it's also about the personal challenges and the vulnerability that we face along the way. So this show is brought to you by Level 5 Mentors, helping entrepreneurs and founders achieve the highest levels of freedom in five different categories, time, money, relationships, health, and purpose. And if you want to find out how you're doing in those five categories, we got you covered. We got a survey for that. Just go to level5mentors.com forward slash survey, and you can take the free entrepreneurial survey and see how you're doing in each category and see where you have room for improvement because, hey, we can always be improving. So welcome to the show. Let's get on to it. Ken Andruco, welcome to the show. Mr. Melzone, how are you? I'm doing really well, man. And uh, there's a lot of excitement around this episode. This is episode number one of the Black Diamond podcast. And it just makes so much sense that I get the opportunity to chat and interview you, um, you know, friend, colleague, mentor, business partner. Uh, I mean, how many more things can we, uh, how many more tags can we attach to our our relationship. Well, all I know, it's a good one. And I, I thoroughly enjoy our conversations all the time. And I'm excited to, uh, to get you, you know, out there. Um, I think, uh, Eric, if we add any more things to our relationship, it's going to get weird. So let's uh, stop there. <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> uh, so let's, uh, let's kick this off, man. Give us, I, I've, I've heard your, your background and your story and, and very, very many variations of it because, you know, there's so many chapters to to your life uh but let's let's give the let's give the audience the entrepreneur the founder uh you know the business owner let's give these people an introduction to into who ken andrew co is yeah man i you know look you talk about how many chapters it's just because i'm old um i've been at this for a long time and i got an early start in my life um i've only really had one job where I worked for someone else in my entire life. And it was working for my dad who owned a computer um, business way back in uh, the very, very early 1980s. Um, so I got, you know, I got to see like the first IBM PC, the first Mac um, and, and get involved in that whole exciting time where computers were hitting desktops. But um I, you know, look, I, I realized really early on that I was not cut out to be an employee. Um, while I often over delivered on the things that I, that were asked of me, uh, inevitably I would always find other ways to make that achievement, um, other than what I was directed to do or how to do what I was directed to do. Um, I'd always find ways to make them bigger, faster, cheaper. Um, which you would think would be ideal for an employer to have an employee like that. But apparently, um, with me not following exact directions, I became a pain in the ass. And qu quite frankly, I just didn't want to live my life as a pain in the ass. So what I started to realize in talking with a lot of people was I was more suited to be my own boss and be an entrepreneur. Um, I'm not even sure if I knew back then what an entrepreneur was 
um, except for I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. So um, that was my first realization of, of business and um, sort of having this view of where I might be headed towards. And pretty early on, I started um, a, a business with a, a guy that I knew was a more of a, I wouldn't say that we were friends at the time, but more like just someone I knew that was in a business. Um, and I started to hang out at his business for quite a lot of time because it was interesting. And he was in the, the graphic arts industry. Back then, um, the graphic arts industry, newspaper industry, magazines, etc., were all um, pieced together on these big light tables with teams of people. All these little pieces of film um, would come together and get taped on a big sheet and then shot on the camera to make this product called the composite film um, so that it could be shot onto a plate and then finally printed. And um, the more time I spent with them, the more I realized it was like very time consuming, very expensive. And uh, that I started to see that computers were going to change all of that. And I wanted to get Greg to be at the forefront of that. So I started like bringing computers into his business and showing what desktop publishing could do. And then he was like, okay, well, you're kind of changing everything on how I think. So maybe we should just be partners. So we became partners in the business. Um, we, we did our very first project with, <laughs> which was in hindsight, a dumb thing to do is a very high end book product about the history of, uh, the province of Alberta in Canada for a, a big client. Um, and it was very high quality. And none of the stuff we had, as far as technology goes, um, was really suited to do that high quality a job. But we didn't know any better, so we just took on the job and spent, you know, hours upon hours trying to make make it all work. And eventually, we did, and we we learned through that challenge that this thing, this idea that we could get all of these people off light light tables, we could get them working differently together and provide a, a the end product in a different manner and in, in such that it's time to market was faster. It's um, the fact that we could give the client creative control to a later point before going to press was, was really interesting. Um, and we could do it cheaper with less, with less hands. So um, it was pretty transformative for that, industry and uh that business grew really really quickly um once we kind of perfected it and um you know within a year i think we had purchased a system from a uk company called crossfield um over a million dollars with a technology to to put out all these flyers that we started to get contracts for we were doing for canada safeway which is a big um grocery chain um you know, a big furniture company that we were doing flyers for and other, uh, just tons of work. We were just getting a lot of work. Um, and, uh, so that was, that was my first business. Um, I, you know, I had visions that, you know, we'd grow this thing into like some huge behemoth and take it national. And, uh, we were way ahead of the curve on, on 
being able to do all this stuff. <clears throat> um, and we had some national brands already, so it was pretty, you know, pretty reasonable to think that we'd do that. And then uh, I got uh, sort of feeling crappy um, from a health perspective, and I went and got checked out, and it turned out um, that I had Hodgkin's lymphoma, and I got kind of slapped on the side of the head and started to realize that I, I needed to take care of myself. Um, and in so doing, I was like, took my mind off the business and then my partner was like, Oh, you know, you're not here driving this thing anymore. Uh, what should we do with it? He was a bit older than me. So, um, we had been approached, um, uh, by a, a large printing firm that we did a lot of work with to buy the company and. I won't bore you with all the details, but we ended up selling it to them. We did, we did pretty well. Um, and then I went off to try to figure out how to live my life um, with this new diagnosis of cancer. And um, good news is that, uh, uh, that I'm, I'm well um, and have been in re remission for a very long time and um, no signs of any kind of recurrence. Um, and I've, I've I've had it twice. I just, I don't want to go through the whole long story about all of that. But I mean, from, you know, from very early on in life, I'm, I'm well now and everything's good. And, um, it, it's interesting, a challenge like that, what it really, you know, how it teaches you to, you know, to focus on the right things, the people in your lives and, um, and, uh, you know, those, those around you that you love and, and stay focused on all that stuff. So that's yeah. sort of the, the we don't have to get into the the details of, of the disease and the and the medical you know procedures or whatever you had to do to get yeah. well, but I I would like to dive into a little bit of you know maybe was there any you know one or two moments where your values shifted where you saw things more clearly like can you dive into that a little bit? Yeah, I mean it, it when I first got diagnosed um, and I was able to move on from the business. Um, I actually didn't react really well to it, Eric. I, I ran away from it. I, you can't run away from these things apparently. Um, and I had a, uh, a very fortunate moment where, um, I was in California on a trip. Um, I, I had planned to ride a motorcycle across the U S after this diagnosis. And, um, I, I was in Inglewood, California and ran into a friend of mine, um, again, not a really good friend, but he's, his, his, um, his business was across the street from mine and, um, he came in into this bar that I was at and I was like, what are you doing here? And he said, what are you doing here? And we got chatting and having a beer together. And he said, you know, I always admired you and your business. And I'm like, wow, that's really nice to hear, but why? And he said, well, it's going to sound strange, but all of the cars in your parking lot over the years that I was your neighbor never changed. I'm like, yeah, that's weird. Like, why is that important? And he said, well, if you'd watched mine, you'd notice they were changing all the time because I couldn't keep my people. And I admired you because you always kept your people. And would you, he then said, would you be willing to help me? And, uh, I said, no, nah, I'm, I'm sort of on this journey. I'm not sure where, where it's going. Um, and I'm not sure when I'll be back. 
and uh, jump ahead a couple of beers. And I finally let it drop that I'd been diagnosed with cancer. And he literally put his hand on my shoulder, looked me in the eyes, and he said, we're going home tonight. Uh, my best friend is the chief oncologist at the local, our local cancer center. Um, and uh, we're going home tonight, and you're going to be seen tomorrow. And I was like, wow. Uh, I, even while I tell this story now, I still get chills through my spine and I get a bit teary about it because at that very moment, he put everything aside and he saved my life. And uh, I'll never forget him. Uh, and I, I still to this day stay connected. Um, it, it just was one of those moments where you realize what a true fr giving friendship is all about. And, um, yeah, so yeah, really at that moment, he, he, he shaped, saved my life. And it was, it was a, a moment where I realized that giving is great and receiving for me is very difficult. But when someone feels that it's so important, um, then you got to give them the pleasure of giving um, and, you know, be okay with receiving. So that, that's one thing that I, I learned from it all. Allow people to have the pleasure of, of giving. Yeah. And, you know, I, uh, when we get on conversations with groups or people that we work with, entrepreneurs and business owners, and it's, it's funny, by the way, I feel like 30 years ago, entrepreneur wasn't a, a term that we used a lot. It was just called business people. Yeah, business um, owner. Business owner. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but now it's entrepreneurs. It's, it's sexy now. The, um, one of the things that occasionally feedback comes in is that uh, we, you especially, I'll say, is that look at entrepreneurship and business ownership. It's not necessarily a vessel for making money, which is important, right? You know, it's, it's one of the, the critical points is you, you know, when money used correctly is a very powerful thing. Um, but we look at it from the whole perspective, right, of, of you know, how you're managing your time and your relationships and, um you know, the purpose that you have when you come within in your health, right? These are all tenets of, of really successful entrepreneurs in, in our standards. Is, has that experience led to how you define success criteria now? Yeah, for sure. I, I, um, I define my success criteria of, of having a purpose um, and having the freedom to choose whatever purpose it is that I feel that is important to me and those around me that are close to me um, and how I want to live my life with, you know, that freedom of purpose. Um, I know we talk about this all the time, Eric, freedom of time, money, relationship and purpose. Um, and, and health is sort of the overriding freedom. Um, without it, you don't get any of the others. Um, you can have a lot of money and shitty health. You can have uh, a relationship and shitty health. I mean, like health is, health is critical. You can't have all of those things that you want without first taking care of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many, uh, so many entrepreneurs who just let that slide, you know? Um, well, it's easy. It's easy. Yeah. yeah. To, to put work first. Right. Um, yeah. and just manage, just think that you can handle the stress. I can handle it. I can handle it. I can handle it. 
until it yeah. physically manifests itself and then you're in trouble. So, you know, give us a little more insight, maybe in the last 10 years of, of your, um, you know, business career, what, what have you been working on in the last decade? Yeah, I, uh, so the last 10 years, I mean, I've been a, a gym owner, um, in, uh, in the CrossFit space, uh, for actually going on 19, uh, it'll be going on 19 years. Um, and, uh, in the last 10 years, um, you know, we've sort of, we had perfected the model, um, to a point where we grew to a, a very large, um, group of, uh, members, um, you know, a seven figure business that was highly profitable. Um, you know, I'm, I'm most proud to say two things. One is that, um, you know, we have a large group of members that have been with us since day one. Um, and, um, that is really unheard of in the fitness space, as you know. Um, and, and it happened because I believe that we aligned on values, um, very early on. And because we were so aligned, the people that they brought with them in their network were also aligned really quickly. And therefore that as that group grew, we all grew based upon the same values. And the second thing um, I'm really proud of is that um, we've got a small group of coaches that have been with us for over 15 years. Um, there's plenty of opportunity out there for them to go off and do other things but they, they felt that we were, you know, there was, there wasn't any greener grass on the other side. We were the best of the best. And, uh, you know, it, it's, those are really interesting things for me. Uh, by having those things, it's allowed me to go off and form um, bigger relationships, better, better um, things that are, were aligning to me at the time. And as I go forward in the future, um, building businesses like Level 5 Mentors um, to suit where my mind is at these days, which is um, I, I want to positively influence um, entrepreneurs who positively influence their clients or customers through their product or service. Um, because eventually what I want is to be able to positively influence uh, millions of people through as few relationships as possible. Does that make sense? That makes total sense. And, uh, you know, hearing about the values and, you know, that's, that's a word that keep that comes up a lot in this conversation and many of the conversations that we have, you know, understanding values and aligning values and how important that is. And I feel like such a big, big first step that most people just jump right over and get to, you know, the business part of things. Um, how how do you help entrepreneurs understand their values and and how do you then take that understanding and apply it to what they're whatever venture they're they're doing yeah man i think it's uh it's simpler than you think or many things not you think but others think um because I, I know that you and i are pretty aligned on this stuff but um it i think it's really simple and it, it's a it's a matter of asking the right questions um so like, where do you, where do you see this business, whatever they're working within 
you know, being within the next three years. Um, and why is that important? Um, that's kind of a critical question. The why is it important? What we got the purpose, but now why is it important to you? And that's where you start to really understand the person and you can start asking that, that question in similar ways, but different to get to the core critical answer of what their values really are. Um, and, and then when you get there, you can help them understand that that's where you build this business from, because if you don't in three years, you're going to look back and realize you've just painted yourself into a corner of which you do not like. Yes. Um, That happens a lot. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of people build businesses and then get wrapped up in the market and let the market dictate how they run their business. That just puts you into a commodity state, right? Whereas if you build it based upon your values, you build your team around your values and the business follows those values, then that makes you unique. No one else can do what you just did. No one else can express your values the way that you've expressed them. That makes you unique. So when people and, you know, there's all these other, you know, business coaches in the world that talk about, you know, what's your um, core, you know, what's your core differentiator as a business? Well, if your answer isn't you, you're wrong. Because if you're a CrossFit gym and, and you don't make it about you and express your values, you're just another CrossFit gym. Or if you're in the, um, I don't know, entertainment sector, it's, it's always got to be about you. And I'll, I'll give you a great example. Um, who's the uh, founder of IBM? I have no idea. Who's the founder of Apple? Oh, we all know. Well, so there's the answer, right? Right, right. You know, I, I happen to remember who, uh, or at least the, the early modern time CEO of IBM was, but I don't remember who founded it. No clue. It's probably a good thing to, to, to try to figure out, but yeah, I'm um, just search it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, Steve Jobs uh, and Steve Wozniak created a trillion dollar company out of a garage. How do I know that? Because that's the story they tell all the time because they acted on their values always. And so when you can relate a trillion dollar company to two guys in a garage, that's an extendable story forever. And, you know, neither one of those guys are involved in the company anymore. One's passed and Waz is doing other things, but Tim Cook still expresses those values every time. Right. And so it's got longevity. And it's an interesting exercise to go through when you're looking at your own business. Uh, Charles Ranlett Flint is the founder of IBM. Okay. And by the look of the photo, he, uh, he founded it a very long time ago as it started as the computing tablet recording company. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. I had no idea. That is crazy. You know, one of the things uh, that, you know, a lot of 
business owners and entrepreneurs are, are taught now is, well, a couple things. Um, a, you know, I need, le- I need more lead generation, right? I need two things is what, what a lot of them believe or led to believe is I need more lead generation. I need more hustle. When you, when you hear those terms, what, what's the guttural response that you have to that? Uh, usually you got it all wrong. Um, and, and we got to go back a few steps and, um, look back and understand why you created this thing in the first place. Where did it come from? What was the passion? Um, and where did it go? And so we got to resurrect a lot of that stuff to get that entrepreneurs fire back, get their passion back, get them believing themselves again. Um, because all of those things that, that we just, that I just said result in you not worrying about leads because you've got more clients coming at you than you can handle because you've expressed your value appropriately and they want to be a part of it. Yeah. And that's, that's an interesting journey, right? It takes a little bit of time as people truly understanding what their value is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's something that as I reinvent myself with every new business, I try to get off the ground. Um, and by tries, I use that word actually selectively because I think you and I both know that for every success, there's a lot of failure. Yeah. Um, a lot. Right. And that's sometimes people don't have the gut for it. But, now, Lone, uh, you and I have been, you know, working together for two or three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a, um, I said to Eric earlier that I don't know how to turn my notifications off, so I apologize. <laughs> um, but, you know, there, there's like a minefield of like failed ideas, yeah. right? But here's the coolest part. We fail fast. We don't spend a lot of time dicking around on stuff with that, that's not going to work, yep. right? Um, and we do have some that, that do work, and, and, and we recognize it and we go all in on them. So... You know, look, I, I, over the years of my career, I've, I've started um, several businesses. I've been involved in private equity and been um, reasonably um, lucky and successful over the course of my career. Um, but, you know, it's those failures, the challenges along the way that really are the things that I look back on. And, and take those lessons and really use those things to propel me forward into the next thing. Um, yeah. I don't like making repeating mistakes. So um, I, I really work hard to fail so I can learn great lessons so that I can do bigger and better things the next time I do something. And where do you think... Um you know, ultimately, I mean, we talked about values, right? If you're, if people are out there, because I think we both agree that, you know, truly the way to build businesses and cloud is and scale is through collaboration. When you're identifying, you know, potential partners for collaboration, what, what are the keys to doing that? Because I think a lot of people struggle with it. You know, maybe people start out and they have a, you know, I'll give you probably a, you know, situation you're, you're, very familiar with. If somebody starts a, they have a good idea, they start a business, they start bringing in a little bit of income. Um, and maybe they cap out because, you know, they only have so much time or, you know, they didn't value or their, their product and servicing, you know, services are off. So they can't, 
really scale to a certain point and they're just kind of stuck, right? That, that's where a lot of people just get stuck. And how does understanding your value, leveraging relationships, looking for collaboration, how does that get people unstuck and allow them to get to the, the levels of freedom that they want? Yeah, I, I think it comes to really understanding not only your value, but um, that comes from understanding your unique ability. What are you uniquely qualified to deliver to an audience um, that's interested in your unique ability. And again, it kind of goes to this whole idea that we only have us in this world as an individual and there is no one else like us when that's the thing that makes us unique. So what is your unique ability? And when you cap out on a, on a, when you're scaling a business, you've got to find other people with different unique abilities to help you scale. Cause at some point you run out of capability, right? Um, and so finding those people, those other businesses that you can collaborate with and not be, you know, have this huge pride of authorship, literally go and find people that you can collaborate with and 10 X your business. If that's what you want to do. Right? Like not everyone wants to have a, you know, a huge business. Um, yeah. It's not easy, but, um, you know, collaboration is critical if, if you want to scale. Yeah. And it, it's, uh, you know, from a personal anecdote, my wife always, uh, I always get like a kick in the shin if we're talking to friends who have a business. My mind goes to scale, right? <laughs> Immediately. Well, hey, if you did this, this, and this, and maybe you leverage this, you know, you could scale and I could meet you and juice and the, I was like, you know, some people don't want to scale, Eric. Some people want to keep it small. They enjoy that. It's, it's, what, it's what the goal is. And it's flabbergasting me because I don't always wrap my head around it. But it's an interesting point is, is one of the things that I think, uh, you know, people sometimes skip over is starting with the, the end goal in mind. You know, one of the reasons that you ask that question of, and I ask that question all the time, hey, what, is, what does success look like in three years? Um, we can often get it onto a path that someone else established because that's what they saw for us or you were advised a certain way, or you assume that you have to scale your business or all these things, right? When really it comes down to your personal definition of success and what that looks like and not being persuaded into another direction. Yeah. I think if, if some people knew what scaling a business really entailed, let's say if you're going to scale something to, you know, I don't know, 20 million bucks. They don't know what that entails. And, and so when you can, you can describe some of those things to them, maybe that's not actually what they want. Hmm. And, and you can really help them make a determination. Um, and if it's something that they really want, um, great. Like, but it, it's, it's a minefield, man. Like it, there's a lot that, that happens that you have no idea. Um, and the, the level of responsibility you feel at that level, is just incredible. It's a lot of weight. Um, because to get there, you need a lot of people that rely on you and the vision and you've got to get them all on board. It's a lot of work. So, um, but it's also, you know, it's also hugely rewarding when it can be done well. Yeah. And you're in the middle of it, right? I mean, you have a corporate health and wellness company that you started, what, three years ago, three and a half mm -hmm. years ago, and it scaled quick. Yep. 
Yeah. It, and, you know, it, it's, you know, I, I, I didn't, I, I never go into anything planning for it to do anything other than what I'm doing at the moment um, and making sure that I'm doing it well. And um, if it's, if it's a really good product or service, it will scale. Um, and then you just got to decide, are, am, are my, am I willing to go on for the ride or am I, or am I only willing to go so far? And so I think that's something that, you know, we help people with all the time. Um, I, I was on a call with a client uh, who's in the document licensure business, um, which is something I'd never even knew really existed. Um, and I, I said, in, in these current times, how, how do you see um, taking an opportunity for, for this industry to work differently and have a better product at the end. Um, and it all comes down to digitization of that industry. And, um, by the time we were done talking about it, both of our brains were aching. Um, but we get, we actually, you know, each saw the same path, which is really interesting. So now he's really thinking about how to, how to make that happen globally. Um, but it, and it may never happen for him, but I bet you his business will grow 50% because of the exercise of going and asking that big question. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Ken, I, uh, I appreciate you, you joining us here for episode number one. And, you know, I would say, uh, you know, do all the normal stuff of, you know, where people can find you, but you're going to be back on the show pretty soon anyway. So, um, I feel like I was uh, a hot mess today, but, uh, uh, you always get what you get with me. I'm always authentic and, <laughs> and open and, uh, you know, it's, it's a different path every time, but, um, man, it's, it, you know, look, I, I, I love what I do now, uh, as a, as a mentor to other founders and entrepreneurs. I love, you know, what you and I get to do together in building that, um, that capability for others. And, um, yeah, it's exciting times, man. Yeah, man. Well, Ken, thank you for, for taking the time. I know, uh, you're in the middle of a lot of transitions, um, as is the entire fitness industry. Uh, so <laughs> I appreciate you making the time to be on and yeah, you guys will be hearing more from, uh, Ken and I very soon, but if you need to check out more, if you want to talk to us right away, just go to level five mentors.com. And uh, you can find us there. So, Ken, thanks, brother. It's great talking yeah, to you. you. Yep. See you. Hey, everybody. This is your host, Eric Malzone. Don't leave yet. I have a few more requests for you. So, if you got value out of this podcast, I ask you to do a few things. Number one, go to wherever you're listening, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and go ahead and subscribe to the show. Number two, while you're there, if you feel that we earned it, please leave us a nice review. Number three, share it. Whether it be social media, email, texting, whatever it may be, I'm sure you know somebody who would get value out of this episode just like you did. So please go ahead and share it. And that's how we get the word out. So it's really valuable and super appreciative. It only takes a minute of your time. Next, if you know of somebody, including yourself, who would be a great guest for the show, please head on over to level5mentors.com, L-E-V-E-L, the number five, mentors.com. Get in touch with me. Let me know what you're thinking. Uh, make an introduction. 
whatever it may be. You can also get me directly in my email, which is eric, E-R-I-C, at level5mentors.com. Lastly, if you just want to chat, you want to find out more, if you want to expand on some ideas, I love hearing from the audience. So go ahead and hit me up on social media. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. You also have my email already. So I love to hear from you. I'm always looking for ways to improve the show and I'm always looking to have great conversations. So don't hesitate to reach out. And once again, thank you for listening to the Black Diamond Podcast and you can expect a lot more from us.